Genre. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Today we're discussing The Legend of the Great Remake podcast. Now, is that podcast this one? Some say it is so. And joining me to discuss how many times in one film the song Kung Fu Fighting can be played is Samaina Bai. So, Samaina, is Beverly Hills Ninja a movie that has been, will be, or should be remade? It should be remade. It never has been, to my knowledge. Not as far as I know. Yeah. Pretty sure it's an original IP, and they've not remade it uh, yet. But I think after this episode, they might. I feel like, for whatever reason, Chris Farley movies are one of those things that they're like, no, not yet. I think it's because so many of his films were, I mean, catered to him as an actor. Oh, very much so. You know? So it's like, if you don't have that kind of larger-than-life, robust, like physical comedic genius actor that you know chris farley was it's kind of hard to like then rebuild it but you also don't want someone who's like a parody that's yeah that's the other problem like you can't look for like the modern day chris farley because that that a that doesn't exist and b i don't know how you do that yeah and and for some reason it's jack black that is okay that is so funny because i was he was the first person that i thought of when i initially thought of like who would be like a great Chris Farley like actor yeah and I was like well, Jack Black like he just has that like Jack Black I think has is older than Chris Farley would be oh yeah 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 he, he was 33 when he passed I looked that up right. recently I so did it's too. like yeah but no yeah Jack Black was my initial go-to but then I was like okay if we don't build this around a specific actor and instead focus on the actual storyline I think that opens it up a lot more and just because I think it is like a kind of a, a fun interesting concept that can be played around with agreed you know? But before we get into that, Samane, okay, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are we? Who are we listening to talk about Beverly Hills Ninja today? Oh my gosh! I don't. Well, I think that's how that sentence is supposed to work. Yes, I, th- <laughs> I think you said it enough so that people can understand. Sure. Correctly. Yeah. No, you did. Please. I, I understood. <laughs> Great. Um. Well, I am an aspiring TV writer. I have been working in entertainment for about almost five years now, and I just got into my first room uh, last year. Congratulations. Can I say it or. I, I don't know if you're allowed to say oh, it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm allowed to say it. I just didn't know Oh, if, yeah. Please, by okay. all means. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, a support staff position in a new show called Average Joe that's going to be on BET and BET Plus, uh, working for our showrunner, who is Rob Cullen, who wrote it on spec, sold cool. it, and it's just like this really cool show. It's kind of dark. It has some like dark comedy in there. It's drama. It's action. And it's, it's different than anything BT's ever done. So I'm really excited. That, that, that yeah. is inherently exciting. You should be yeah, excited yeah, about that. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so then the obvious follow-up is, how did you first see Beverly Hills Ninja? Oh my gosh. Okay, so as a kid, I was obsessed with television and movies. And uh, this was... I mean, I grew up in the 90s. Blockbuster was, like, the place to be Friday, you know? Um, Or Thursday. You get better deals. Good that you mentioned Blockbuster specifically. (laughs) But continue. Okay. Um, So, no, I just... I was that kid that would re-watch movies all the time. If we rented something from Blockbuster, I would... You know, if we had it for two or three days, I would watch it, like, five, six times. And I just loved comedy. I don't remember who in my family got it. It might have been my dad. 
I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was the funniest movie ever. Uh, and I, I watched it so many times throughout my life. And Chris Farley, of course, as I got older and started watching SNL and like his other movies, Tommy Boy and Black Sheep, it was like, I just, I love this guy. He's so yeah. crazy. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, I, so when you described, so we met on the picket line. Yes. This episode is going to be coming out in three or four weeks. I don't know. I got to look at the calendar. Okay. We were, when you were talking about doing this movie, like you described the movie to me and I <laughs> had no recollection of this movie existing at all. I was like, oh, weird. It's a Chris Farley movie I've never heard of. And then I went home and looked at the poster mm-hmm. and I just got hit in the face with waves of nostalgia of just seeing like yeah. rows of this movie at That's every awesome. single blockbuster yes. I ever stepped in yes. ever. Yes. So for people listening right now, there's a distinct possibility that some of you who are listening just kind of saw the episode download, started listening, whatever. And there's some of you who like were directed from like the social medias where I post posters. If you haven't looked at the poster for this movie... <laughs> Google the poster for this movie, and you too will be hit by waves of nostalgia being like, oh, yeah, that exists. Oh, my God. Yes. It is. It's the most blockbuster movie ever. Yes. And for that alone, of course, we have to talk about it. Yes, we have to. And in case you anybody wants a description, doesn't have their phone. Well, you probably have your phone on you if you're listening to this. You might be driving. Yes. Uh, but just because uh, it was the picture where Chris Farley was wearing a white gi and he's doing like a Van Damme split up in the air, punching the the like sunset colors, like orange. Yeah. Sky. It was crazy. It's yeah, it's such a recognizable poster. It, so. it is. I honestly, I think that the poster outlasts the movie. Really? <laughs> I mean, okay. there's some cases where like, it's like, this is it. This is the poster. But like, yeah. I don't, but it, but like, I've mentioned the movie to enough people that they're like, oh yeah, the Chris Farley movie. Like, yes. oh my God, that's amazing. How can you do yeah. anything to it? I'm like, well, just wait, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like I watched that for the first time on Friday and it is wild. Yes. <laughs> Liu Kang is there. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Robin Shaw. Can I just say he was fine and I'm sure he's still as attractive as back then, but like, <gasps> I that head of hair? Done. Oh my god. Well, yeah. I don't. I, just, I mean, I, I associate him with the hair. The hair was fantastic. I'm like, looking this up. Dude, I, I feel like, and it's funny because if you watch like Jackie Chan's old movies too, especially Drunken Master, he has a very similar head of hair. I think that was just like the haircut for East Asian men back then. And it was just like, it might I need that to come back. Okay, <laughs> that luscious like head of wow like <laughs> were you there on the picket line that one day when that dude showed up and yes. we were just like well this guy's who had actor, that hair who had that hair he had that hair and we were just like oh, this guy God. conditions yes and like as a as a black woman like I know how irritating it can be when people ask you can I touch your hair but I really <laughs> wanted to just put my hands through his flowing locks it was fantastic so he. Uh, the actor's name is Robin Shu. Shu, sorry. Uh, yeah. and I don't know how it's pronounced. Oh, I thought it was Shao. It, it was might like be S H O U. Yeah, Shao, it could go sorry, either way, and I certainly don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is. It, there's three projects in development: City of Angels, uh, Dead Mule Suitcase, and Kung Fu Cowboy. Oh, okay. I've heard of two of those. I've heard of City of Angels and Kung Fu Cowboy, and Dead Mule Suitcase <laughs> sounds wild. Uh, and is in. It was an associate producer in post-production on something called Prey of Wrath. So he that. is still doing things sporadically. Because yeah. the last, like, finished production, like, past film and video, that, the last one is 2015. So mm-hmm. I don't know what, he was do- what he's been doing since 2015. But it could very easily mean that he's been doing things not in the United States. Yeah, that's very true. I don't know how big of a star he is abroad. Yeah, and IV Pro is not great <laughs> about doing things abroad. 
Oh, wait, TV. Uh, nope, TV goes back even further. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, it probably was, like, a matter of opportunity, you know? If you weren't doing, like, martial oh, arts sure. things, it's not like there was much for you as an Asian male actor, but my God, did he have leading man potential, because he was falling. Yeah, he's very, like, like, <laughs> so attractive. You, you can't, like, if he was in stuff now, everyone would be like, okay. Yeah. Let's get, let's get this guy in some movies. Yeah. He could have been, a, like, a rom-com lead. Oh, I would have sure. wanted him to be in a rom-com. <laughs> I mean, none of these are rom-coms. These no, are, like, yeah. Dude, Asian death men race. didn't get to do, like, rom-coms back then. No. It's still hard. It's, yeah, but, I mean, Crazy Rich Asians definitely, like, change things and like got us going towards that direction i've but... heard it i've heard a complaint that like unless it's a movie starring primarily mm. a, an asian cast like it's harder to do just like a, like an individual person within a within a white with an otherwise white cast it's yeah. just, which is weird and it shouldn't be but yeah. we're here to fix stuff like that we here are. on this podcast yes says the white dude <laughs> ally says the ally sure 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 <laughs> I, i'll do my best <laughs> as we record on juneteenth <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that specifically why you asked me to come here? It's like, not. I need a black female up in here. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm not going to say it doesn't hurt, but <laughs> but it is very much something I'm conscious of in this moment. Uh. <laughs> I think it would be offensive if we were like, uh, let's re- like recast, you know, color purple, like. But yeah, that would be re- a problem. But it's like you know, and then trying to like. Not and make let it me black turn this something. piece of paper over and tell you what that cast is. <laughs> so in the lead role, <laughs> you know, Dakota, that's coming Dakota out Fanning. Though, right? yeah, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> and Christian Bale plays Sir. Mm-hmm, um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have. We, we, I'm going to change the subject. <laughs> <laughs> Just edit this part out. No. <laughs> no, this part stays. Okay. <laughs> I. Uh, I I'd say it need, it's, I needed to keep me humble, but uh, I'd, when people describe me, they don't describe me as a massive ego in the first place. Okay. So Beverly Hills Ninja. Beverly Hills Ninja, yes. Um, so the basic plot of this movie is that there is a legend of an outsider uh, being coming to the, this clan of ninja, and he's destined to be among the greatest of them or something. Mm-hmm, the Great White Ninja. Yeah, the Great... White ninja. It, so he describes himself as the great white, white ninja, but the legend says an outsider. Okay, okay. So Good that point. means we're, we can cast someone not white. Copy. Which is certainly what I have. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so, but it's Chris Farley, and so, like, they show, like, ah, oh, this uh, orphan baby shows up from a ship that sank, and it's Chris Farley, and then he, as he grows up, they, like, have a kid, and as he grows up, it's just him being bad at everything. Just really Chris Farleying it up. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? And then a beautiful leggy blonde walks in, uh, played by Nicolette Sheridan, and she asks him for help. She thinks her boyfriend is into some shady business, and she needs basically a ninja to find out what's going on and help her out. And she gives him a fake name. She goes by the name of Allison. No, no. Sally Jones. Sally Jones. Sally Jones is her name. And while Haru... So Chris Farley takes this on because he's like super attracted to her and his name gets, is his name is Haru in the movie. Yeah, Haru. And while like investigating, a man is murdered by her boyfriend and Haru the blame is potentially put on the ninja 
the ninja school Correct. ninja. In order to feel important and in order to impress the leggy blonde, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Farley agrees to do this thing that he has no business doing. And he kind of just like, is like, I, uh, he speaks to his sensei and is like, I know you say I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. And also, my God, she's so pretty. Uh, which is like a weird theme in this movie. And it's it's very uh, it's very guilty of a lot of the like kind of tropes of not even movies of the time. It still happens where it's like, oh, uh, well, a first woman I've ever seen. And also, well, I'm going to go do this and, and win the lady. Mm-hmm. Haru can't find anything about this Sally Jones. Like he can't find any record of her. The, the rest of the ninjas can't find her. And they're like, she lied to you, man. Like, clearly this is fake. And he's like, no. I'm going to go to Beverly Hills because I, I have this thing that I got off the dead guy that tells me to go to Beverly Hills and that's what I'm going to do. She needs my help. I'm going. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, all right, fine, whatever, go. And Robin Shaw or Robin Shu is kind of told to go assist him in secret because the last thing the ninjas want is this ninja going and besmirching their name. Mm-hmm. So they're off to Beverly Hills. They're off to Beverly Hills and that's where he meets Chris Rock who is playing uh, a bellboy at the hotel that Haru stays in. And from there, the adventures begin. He's, like, going to different places, trying to piece together what's going on, like, where Sally Jones is. And he eventually does find her. Um, no, he does not. Her, uh, Gobe, his brother does. Oh, okay, does. yes. Yeah, Gobe. So he's being an idiot. So Haru's being an idiot and, of course, going uh, going about it all wrong, Gobe's in the shadows, leading him the right direction and yeah. like making it so that he like finds what he and needs. And he's in different disguises throughout yes. the whole thing, and every single time his disguise was delightful. Yeah. <laughs> every single time, without exception, Gobe's disguises were top tier. Yes. Like he was disguised as like one of those statues on Crescent in mm-hmm. Beverly Hills. It was so good. And then like when they're he's disguised in drag at the uh was it the strip club? No, no, no the, he, uh, he wasn't at the strip. Well, he was at the strip club, but he liked uh, the different things. But the uh, I can't think of the type of restaurant where they cook the food in front of oh, you. Oh yeah, 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 like the 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 Benihana's. Thank you, Benihana. Benihana. Yeah, like that. The whole scene in the Benihana is incredible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so basically, it's Chris Farley's fumbling his way through everything, and he kind of like finds out more about what's going on. Allison's boyfriend, Martin Tanley, is has half of these plates in order to counterfeit money mm-hmm. and but he needs the other half of the plates in order to counterfeit the back of the money mm-hmm. and like there's a whole gang war about it and all that's just kind of like happening in the meantime while Chris Farley is bumbling his way to like figuring stuff out mm-hmm. and Allison Page which is her real name does not want him there no because she had are we allowed to like tell the whole thing? oh yeah yeah so because she had ulterior motives right she like did. she was actually trying to find out who killed her sister or she believed her current boyfriend killed her sister mm-hmm. right and she was like trying to find some evidence that would capture him uh, yep. or you know so she could turn him over she but she put herself in deep cover in yes. order to avenge her sister yes yeah, so this is actually quite a feminist movie <laughs> The only female character, in, the, only the only female, female character, character in the movie, uh, was not looking for love or a man. She was trying to find revenge, and yet <laughs> she didn't accomplish anything on her own. <laughs> Tricked a guy into doing it, accepted his help, d- continued, became a damsel in distress, and then ended up with the guy who rescued her. Yes, 
She was the damsel in distress in the trophy. I would not describe this as a feminist that's how, movie. That's how women did things back in the 90s. and Think about Little Mermaid, right? Like, she didn't kill Ursula. Would Eric you just, did that. She got him to help her out. The fact that no. Ursula is in that movie <laughs> makes Little Mermaid a far more feminist movie than Beverly <laughs> Hills Ninja. The fact that there is two women in there, period, yeah. yeah. Uh, but back Beverly Hills Ninja is yeah. a lot of things. Feminist, not one of them. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. It's Absolutely right. not. I, <laughs> not I, letting me get away with that. I can acknowledge the truth. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, they kung fu fight their way, despite the fact that ninjutsu and like kung fu, and, they have <laughs> kung fu fight. How many times do you think the song kung fu fighting is in this movie? Oh man. Including like the beat that, I don't know. Everybody was, wait, no, that was a different, Wow. You need you to take that part out. <laughs> yeah, what you're referencing Everybody is the song "Turning with... Japanese." Yeah, yeah, which is they, a that different was, song. But that was in that the is that also was in, this, in the that movie. Was in the movie. Okay, yeah, that's not just me being offensive. No, no, um... not specifically being offensive, just kind of broadly. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, I think that was in the movie at least three. Times? I counted three. You it counted was three. it okay, was okay. three different versions of the song, but okay. it was in the movie three, three times, times. Yes, which is wild. On. <laughs> That was probably the purpose of that movie, so they could like feature that song more. Absolutely, yeah. they had a they had a deal with Carl Douglas. I think was the guy who sung it, but I could be wrong. Uh, Is it Carl Douglas? Yeah, yes. well done. I've only heard that song like a million times. Oh my god! Yeah, which you know it's funny because you know how they use it in almost every single martial arts movie. Yes, um, and uh, Kung Fu Panda is probably one of my favorites. But that one, if you think about it, Kung Fu Panda is almost Beverly Hills Ninja, but with, like, a much more, a deeper character development and, like, thematics. And I mean, an argument could be made that Beverly Hills Ninja, the only remake, is Kung Fu Panda, <laughs> where Kung Fu Panda is played by Jack Black. That's, yeah. yeah. So, it is yeah. pretty close. Yeah. it Like, it's, it's an incredibly similar arc. Yeah. The only thing that Kung Fu Panda is missing that Beverly Hills Ninja has is a honeypot. The honeypot is the attractive person that goes, is like, will you will you do this? Oh, and it's like, oh, oh yes, of course, I will do this thing, attractive person, for sure. That's, I did not realize that was called the honeypot. Yeah. Okay. It, it, I don't know where that term originates, but it's like, it, we, we it, it's, it, it's, you get your hand trapped in the honeypot. It's because you get drawn in by the... Okay. Yeah, it's... The, well, that, that's... That's it's like a, a Winnie whole, the Pooh, maybe. Kind that of, That was probably yeah. where it originated yeah, yeah. from. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Trying to think about it. Okay. But, um, Chris Farley's kind of a creep the whole movie. Like, he kind of creeps on, uh, uh, Allison Page the whole movie. And then there's a scene in a strip club where he just, like, completely goes full creepy guy just being like, yeah, oh my god, look at all of these sexy ladies. You know, it's funny. I didn't take it as him being a creep. Because if you think about it, he's, what, a mid-twenties male? He'd never seen a woman before. Yeah. And he saw boobs. And they were in front of him, and they were dancing. I'm like, I understand the fascination. I feel like... Potentially, but if he's a mid-20s male who's never seen a woman before, I feel like a lot of male interest in boobs is potentially conditioned just because we're told boobs are attractive. Where if he grew up for 25 years without being told that boobs are attractive, why on earth would he think that? Other than the fact that all of those women are clearly attractive, go good, good for them, slay... <laughs> but like it, it's one of those things of like what are like a lot of people's sense of like attraction is like societally driven but like it's all of a sudden he sees a woman for the first time in Allison Page and it's just and I can see him immediately falling in love because like oh my god 
Just like his brain being like, yes, this, that one, go, yes. Another white. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, fair. I will I mean, say. Cause, yeah, because there, there were no other white people in that movie except for him. So I, I can uh, up imagine. Up until that point. Up until that point. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry. In his yeah, life. Yeah. Yes. In his life, yeah. I will say that one of my favorite jokes in this movie is the moment where, uh, where he's talking to Chris Rock in Beverly Hills and he's like, of course I'm going to be able to find Allison Page. How many blonde, attractive blondes could there be in Beverly Hills as four different attractive blonde background people walk past behind him? Yeah. It's amazing. You know what I just realized, though? He's probably never seen a black person in his entire life. Like, at least for a white person, he'd like, and blonde hair, he had like the reflection. That's true. Wow. Look at that. And he just... Racism has taught people. Well, that, <laughs> that, well that's definitely true. <laughs> Because he's like, oh, hey, Chris Rock, of course you can take my bags, and we'll, and then we'll be, of course we'll become friends. Why wouldn't we be? Well, no, not friends. Uh, he became, Chris, like, his mentor. He did. Like, yeah. Chris Rock was, like, the first person, I think, in uh, Haru's life who's like, oh, man, you're so, so cool. And Haru's like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> I, I am cool. Let me tell you about all the different ways I'm cool. Yep. Like, he has this whole setup of, like, he's chasing a chicken around. It's like, eventually yeah. you'll be able to, like, snap a man's head by, by just twisting his neck. And it's like, oh my god, how will you learn how to do that? Well, you have to start with chickens. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But then, like, all that's set up, and I was expecting it to pay off at the end of the movie when, like, Chris Rock walks in and, like, some bad guy and Chris Rock just snaps his neck. And that never happened. And part yeah. of me was like, I wanted that a little bit. Because it's like, I want this, like, big moment of, like, oh, Chris Rock is cool. He did the thing. Yeah. But no. Can happen. we just talk about, though, about how the training should have been done at his house, but instead he brought a chicken to work? Like, he was in a Beverly Hills hotel. That's true. Chasing did, a chicken. He did bring a chicken to work. That's how you know there were no black people producing, writing, or directing this movie. Because there's no way with all, in a very predominantly, like, white space, he's not going to be the black guy that brings a chicken to work. Come on, people. That doesn't make no sense. That's probably fair. I, <laughs> I, I, that's, that's fine. But, uh, just, I agree. I'm, with jo- you. I'm joking. I'm no, joking. I'm, sure I'm also right. joking. But no, like, no, but also that's a good point. <laughs> he brought a chicken to work. Like he should have trained at home, but maybe like he didn't have the time and space. So Who knows? Haru was able to like rent a room in this like because they wanted the whole section of the movie to take place in Beverly Hills. So Haru had to be able to rent a room in Beverly Hills. And mm-hmm. like he gets there and the and the uh, person at the desk. Oh yeah, the uh, the. Reception, not receptionist, but the front front desk person. Concierge. Concierge. Okay, yeah. We got there. Yeah. Uh, the concierge was like, I don't, uh, we are booked. We're so we're a Beverly Hills hotel. What do you think is? And then Haru's like, but do you accept gold? And then like tips gold coins out on the desk, and the dude's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I I just thought that was very funny, and I have a joke to pitch about that later. Okay. So I wanted to make sure I brought that up, but it, it's like. He like I would have suggested that like he isn't able like if I didn't have this joke to pitch later I'd have suggested that he tries to stay at this Beverly Hills hotel can't and then somehow ends up sleeping on Chris Rock's couch and then that oh, way you get to have Chris Rock at home uh-huh. attempting to uh, kill a chicken <laughs> um, because like I'll be honest the first room I lived in when I moved to LA was in Beverly Hills but it's not the kind of Beverly Hills you you think of and I literally was renting a room. Mm. In a three-bedroom apartment where I shared that room when I first moved in with a 75-year-old woman and a 50-year-old woman. Wow. It was not glamorous. But I would assume you watched a lot of great classic TV. But that's... What do you base that on? Well, 75 and 50, I'm assuming the kind of TV shows they like to watch were from, like, you know... Oh, we didn't hang out. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that makes... 
tracks. Okay. I don't know. I mean, the, the 50-year-old woman was only there for, like, another year-ish uh, after that. And then she moved out. And then after she moved out, I like, all the other neighbors were like, no, we have to tell you how crazy she was. And I was like, what? No one told me at the time. Okay. And apparently, the answer was quite. Uh, and then, like, six months after that, a buddy of mine from uh, college moved in, who I played tennis with this morning. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's weird. So, we have the movie as it exists. Mm-hmm. So, I want to ask... What are the things in Beverly Hills Ninja as it exists right now that you think are important for our version to remain in the movie? The setting in the first uh, part of the movie where it's like the ninja kind of, uh, you know, their training school or I guess the home. But beyond that, there's not too much else that I really want to keep. Well, no, because like... Because a lot of, right, like Beverly Hills Ninja, like the, it was set in Beverly Hills. There's a lot of commentary on, on Beverly Hills. I feel like there are so many new places that are not more relevant, but like that we could comment on now that would be funny and probably things that haven't been done before. That's Honestly, true, but would it then be a remake of Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Ninja? Ninja? Like you can have it's sequels, spinoffs, and anything. In I, terms of like the plot, like if it's a, it could be like a, in my head I was thinking, okay, well, socially awkward sheltered person comes to you know going after the honeypot I actually kind of wanted to keep that a little bit I like the idea of uh of someone who has like had no social interaction just being completely swept away by some you know in my head I was thinking like a gender swap so I was like oh yeah I have a a couple gender swaps yes okay me too some like you know debonair gentleman and just completely you know ready for a change and ready to not live that way and like ready to find I don't, I mean, with, with Chris Farley, it was more so about, like, trying to prove to himself, right, that he wasn't screw-up and that he was the one that the legend was talking about. I, but, Does so. Chris Farley, in the movie as it exists, think of himself as a screw-up? Because I feel like the answer is no. I feel like he is. Yeah. But I don't know if he sees himself that way. But I think the movie, it felt like they were trying to... Okay, no disrespect at all. Of because course. I think Chris Farley is a fantastic comedic actor. I, and especially like the physical comedy and slapstick and all that stuff, but I don't know necessarily if he was like an actor actor. I think like, that's reasonable, you know, right? Like, because like that moment, we, I think we certainly were... never. Got, he unfortunately passed away before we really got to see him get to do actor actor roles. Yeah, in but, the same way that we've gotten to see Jack Black do actor actor roles. Well, not necessarily like dramatic or anything. Like, still in the comedy space, but. Like, for example, the scene like uh, where everybody else gets a medal except for him. Everybody else gets to graduate and become a ninja except for him. Like, that should have been almost like his driving force, right? Like, I agree and with we, that. And we should have seen that throughout the film. Absolutely. There should have been moments we should have seen from him, maybe not necessarily through dialogue, but of of re- through like his reaction where, like, this is my moment to prove myself. Or, you know, it is in doing this that I will, like, prove to everyone that I am, like, what the legend says I am. Um, I'm not a script to myself. I think he could have done that, but I don't think, unless you're a trained actor or just someone who kind of knows to do that, I, I, I don't think he, you know. I also don't think the that. movie thought to do that. I don't think the movie want, wanted to do that itself. Like, I think this movie kind of existed as largely a fat, shamey, <laughs> let's watch this guy doing the things he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Get. He has these weird moments where he's like, on the ethereal plane communicating uh, with Sensei. He's like being, oh my god, this is crazy! And it's like, it's weird, like, I I think that you can remake this movie, and I do think it should be set in Beverly Hills because it's Beverly Hills Ninja, but also because Beverly Hills is kind of like the representative of 
a certain class of class, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this movie can and should be remade without the fat shaming. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I don't even necessarily mind the honeypotness of it all. Yeah. Uh, in that, like, oh my god, I'm being drawn into a world I've never even conceived of before. Mm-hmm. And as long as Chris Farley is a, or the whomever is a fish out of water, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Um, for me, the setting I had in mind, and yes, I know it, it then changes it from Beverly Hills Ninja, but I was thinking more Silicon Valley. I think oh. that is a little bit more, I don't say relevant, maybe it's just like something, it's a it's a culture out there that I don't think has I think you can make been fun as of... criticized as I think it should be. Uh, yeah. Like I think Silicon Valley, the TV show did a good job, but I think they're like, I, I think it's like definitely a good setting for a lot of comedy. Here's my uh, compromise. I think this movie <laughs> should be set in Beverly Hills, Okay. but I think instead of looking for counterfeit plates, mm-hmm. it's all about some sort of startup that's been collecting the capital of the different people who live in Beverly Hills. I think Martin Tanley, Hmm. instead of being a counterfeiter, which, oh, Martin Tanley can be a Silicon Valley guy Mm -hmm. who's been coming and is completely intending to do, like, the thing that Silicon Valley often does, which is collect capital from a bunch of rich idiots as possible, fail, and then producers it keep the money. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you talk about all, like, the WeWork people and everything, and it's like, oh, this company itself is unprofitable and has completely failed, but they paid their CEO millions and millions and millions of dollars. So despite the fact that this person only created failure and debt for tons of people, they are themselves still rich. Mm-hmm. That's true of basically every <laughs> Silicon Valley startup. Yeah. And I think you can get away with it where... Martin Tanley knows his product is bad and Allison Page is trying to prove that so people stop giving him money because he's going after the Beverly Hills people and like so part of the movie would be like well who cares if all the Beverly Hills people give up like oh they lose their money oh no the rich people get slightly less rich yeah. but it's also him going after like people where it is in fact their life savings oh that'd be sad yeah and we would want to see that guy get taken down I was okay, yeah. So that's the thing. I, when it came to the, I feel like the the casting then all of a sudden influenced a lot of changes to the story or the plot at least. Sure. So I, I feel like when we get to that portion, oh. like there's a lot to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like it's going to be a completely different movie, low key. But I think the premise. For I think me it, is still I think it needs to be. Enough, like, it still but. is about some ninja who goes to Beverly Hills mm-hmm. to go rescue a lady who does in fact not need his help. Because here's my other pitch. Mm-hmm. Allison Page, the character, walks in and says Martin Tanley is her boyfriend. She's trying to take him down. Mm-hmm. He killed her sister. Mm-hmm. None of that is verified or evidential in any way, but mm-hmm. Haru believes her. Mm-hmm. So I would like none of that to be real. <laughs> She's not. Uh, I, so I kept. I was. I was waiting the whole movie for there to be this big reveal that she was not his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She was a business rival, and she was going to find this piece of information, this secret, this thing about whatever Martin Tanley's product is, the thing that made it not work so that she could publicize that so that people would instead not invest in his thing and invest in hers instead. Yeah. I see her as using ninjas as a weird form of uh, corporate espionage. Mm-hmm. And that way, A, she has way more agency, and B, you get to have this cool act two twist of oh yeah, no, none of that's true. 
And then, like, Gobei could find... Like, Gobei's been saying that this whole time until finally, like, Gobei finally is like, all right, fine, we trust her. Mm-hmm. And now... And then Gobei gets stabbed in the back somehow. It's like, all of a sudden, then Haru has to convince Gobei that she's bad. Because he's the one that finds out and Gobei doesn't. Mm. Something like that. Okay. Because I... Allison Page becoming a damsel in distress isn't very interesting to me. Yeah. But, like, kind of revealing that she's the true villain, or even if she doesn't, even if she's not the true villain, but, like, using Haru in a way that isn't completely, like, even more so, Mm -hmm. I find that way more interesting, especially because we're familiar with the concept of the honeypot and the, like, oh, attractive woman that needs to be saved, but what if she doesn't? Yeah. And I think that's more fun. No, I like that. And actually, I had something similar when it comes to the the plot twist of like... Great, oh, please tell me. The... Okay, so, well, okay. So, uh, well, one thing I'd like to say, uh, I just want to acknowledge that in the original movie, the boat that Haru supposedly like came on was from, I think, Palmdale, Florida. Oh, was it? So, yeah. I missed that entirely. I, I never caught it until just recently rewatching it for this. And I realized, oh my God, this is like a whole Florida man thing. Like, that's what all of this uh, is. Oh, okay. <laughs> So in my head, I was like, okay, I kind of want to do that, but I, uh, I want it to be a girl and I want her to be from the Bay Area. And okay. So anyways, it's, uh, an Asian girl, but she's Asian American. Okay. Right. And it's like a, a boat of tourists. Her parents are like, uh, a, a cruise ship sort of is what I was thinking. Gets onto the island. They accidentally leave their child, right? As a baby. And of course the ninjas adopt her. I don't know if I want to do co-ed. I hadn't decided if it was going to be co-ed or if it was going to be primarily girls, but basically, she, the new Haru, was, yeah, not coordinated. She's not coordinated. She, and this is actually where I split. Like, do I want to do, like, the traditional path where it's, like, she's not coordinated? Or do you think it'd be more funny if uh, it was a predominantly, like, male space, but she's just a girl, and so they wouldn't let her, so all she could do is just, like, help around the uh, the dojo? Well, it, dep- <laughs> it depends what you want yeah. the, the story of the movie to be. Like, it could be... Like, she could be a failed ninja, or she could be someone who isn't allowed to be a ninja but picked it up anyway. If you're doing someone who wasn't really allowed to be a ninja but picked it up anyway, it's basically the story of the sister from Shang-Chi. Which I didn't love, but that's a separate story. But that is kind of that story, as opposed to anything... That's true. There's nothing wrong with either story. And I I could... When I was... So I have... (laughs) I actually have two casting for Haru. I have a a lady and a dude, because I didn't know which way we are going to go. But basically, like... I don't, I, I'm, I will cede to you whatever the origin story is, okay. um, but I like the idea of keeping the legend says that an outsider will come in and like do all the different things because I really like the idea of that legend existing and then I want to get to the end of the movie and uh, Haru being like, is it true? Did I fulfill the legend? What legend? The legend of the outsider who gets to be the greatest of all ninjas. I'm like, that's not a real legend. We made that up to, to for tourists. So that when tourists come to visit, they can be like, oh, I'm the great ninja. And, and like, how do you think we got all this gold? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like, That's you, so funny. And I just like this, just this twist of like, yeah, anybody's the outsider. It's fine. Yeah. If you believe you're the outsider, great. Your stay will be fourteen fifty a night or whatever it is. <laughs> Oh, I love and, that. And so the idea of it being a cruise ship and someone, someone being left behind from a cruise ship, even better. <laughs> Fits it so much more. Okay. Love it. And because, like, of course, a cruise ship from Florida would somehow make its way to Japan. Well, that's the thing. That is the thing. It wasn't even a cruise ship. It was like a rowboat. 
Look, some, sometimes <laughs> you gotta go places. Yeah, and that's and that's also partially why I wanted to do Silicon Valley because I was thinking like logistically, like a boat from California going to Japan makes a lot more sense than from Florida to Japan. You know, it's like, well, how did that happen? But um, a Florida man can find a way. So maybe that's that, just not. That a question. is in fact what Florida man does. It <laughs> finds a way. I, um, I, I I feel like it doesn't need to make sense. It's just kind of like, yeah. Eh, Ninja, Ninja Clan got a baby. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do a movie now. <laughs> but I, I, I wanted the basically premise to be about... A On group. the cruise ship, Florida. It's... Sorry. Wait, what is that? <laughs> the good ship lollipop. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not familiar. <laughs> it sounded somewhat... It's a, it's a real Shirley Temple kind of song. <laughs> animal crackers in my soup. That's what you mean. Animal crackers in my soup. I think it's the same song, but that's, yeah. Yeah, that's the melody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Shirley Temple. Yep. Um, <laughs> Sorry, continue. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. But no, I, I wanted it to be like a, like a shy, reserved, uh, socially awkward, super sheltered, but wants to go see the world, um, or at least experience the world, whose gifts don't match up with what the dojo requires. Um, Great. Is kind of where I saw that going, but because of that, she feels like, you know, a failure. She doesn't have much confidence in herself. She doesn't believe that she has much worth because again it's like her gifts wrong place so she doesn't feel valued she feels like she has no value absolutely and then Um, this person comes in and doesn't recognize that that and sees all of a sudden like oh i believe in you and so all of a sudden she's so full of like oh my gosh someone believes in me i can't for a second let them doubt that i'm as good as they think i am Mm. because I, someone believes in me for the first time in my entire life. Oh, I like that. I was going kind of and for <laughs> I went more honeypot way where it was just like a really attractive guy comes well, in and bonus, she's they're like, also wow. really attractive. Yes. Yeah, yours adds more depth. Mine was just kind of <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, either like, way. Really hot guy. Oh my god, I want to impress him. Oh my god, he needs my help. Let me like yeah. Absolutely. Both things are valid. Yes, yeah. Both things can be true. <laughs> yeah. Someone believes in you for the first time in your entire life. And also, oh my God. <laughs> I love, yes, because he was planning on setting her up. And that yes. was why and, he believed in her. Well, she was why he said target. he believed in her. Yeah, because like, yeah. clearly. And like that's even the act, end of Act 2 twist of like, oh my God, why would I ever believe in you? You're clearly a screw up. Thank you for uh, failing your way to success. I'm now going to go be rich and a, and a bad person now. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And then Act 3 is like, I'm going to kung fu fighting show him. And then everything goes nuts and hooray. <laughs> uh, 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 the Joey, Chris Rock character from the original movie is like, yes. You, uh, like, you, but you taught me and I'm okay. It's like, no, everything I taught you was bullshit. But no, we're going to go do it. And it's... Haru and Gobe and Joey and they're gonna go show them that all three of them are legit ninjas well one of them already was but the other two can be too (laughs) something like that that works that works but here's the thing with the Chris Rock character great right it's like how do we fit that character in and that was something where I was like because theoretically this movie is fine if Chris Rock's not there like literally Chris Rock brings nothing to this movie yeah and and not to be other than just being the Chris Rock yeah and he was funny um, so I was like, okay, well, I like the idea of her having, like, an American person to help her out. Absolutely. Um, I felt like Chris Rock played a little bit, not not saying that he himself, but, you know, it was kind of like the, oh, the, the lazy black employee, kind of like that trope yeah. a little bit. And I was like, okay, definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, okay, what if it is, I also had this one gender swap too, uh, but, like, someone from a lower income 
class who is at like a, you know, higher end school like UCLA or USC or whatever. And this is a job that they do to like, you know, help pay that way. But like they keep getting in trouble because they're going off to study when they should be working or something like that. And then the other thought was that what if Haru's character comes to the hotel, gets rejected, meets this person on the street, and they're an exotic dancer, right? And then okay. and then it kind of ends up being like what you said, where it's like she, the exotic dancer takes pity on this girl. She takes whatever money this girl has to like stay with her and is essentially sleeping in on her couch or something like that and is on the hunt no, maybe. I, I have nothing against it. Yeah. I, I don't think it needs to be an exotic dancer or a sex well, worker of any kind. Fun. No, 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 you're right. But I just thought it'd be like kind of funnier because it's a part of Beverly Hills that I don't think you get to see. But I don't know. Do they actually have? Not in Beverly Hills. They Certainly don't? right outside no Beverly Hills. No gentlemen's clubs? That's true. I'm sure there are gentlemen's clubs in Beverly Hills, though I certainly do not know where they are. <laughs> I can tell you where to find a good Bristol Farms. <laughs> Or and I can I can reminisce with you about a bagel shop that used to be there that was really good and pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you where my dentist is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but okay, that could that could also be another option I, but, where it's like maybe but, but, she's working. But I'm trying to think of someone who would be just so like someone who works at Beverly Hills mm-hmm. stuck there. But theoretically, we could we can go somewhere some way where it is someone who works in Beverly Hills and isn't very good at it and kind of like. All, like the it's kind of the American version of Haru, where I mean, not that Haru isn't themselves American, but like grew up in America of like, oh, well, I'm still a bumbling idiot, but I grew up here. Um, or you could go the other way Ooh, okay. of it. This is some Silicon Valley child who's an idiot who's just like, yeah. I'm just so interested in investing in, like, something because, like, my dad was this great big investor and, like, he made all this money. But, like, I can be like that, too. And I can make even more money than my dad. It's like, oh, buddy. No. That'd be interesting to have it be, like, kind of a trust fund child. Yeah. Where it's, like, they're working maybe at, like, a minimum wage type job. Or even not even minimum Like, some Beverly but, Hills high end. But like, then we also get like... to have them be, <laughs> by definition, incompetent because they they grew up rich and never had to learn how to do anything. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they don't know how to do anything. I like that much more. And all of a sudden, we have... And I didn't necessarily make it a black guy, but, uh, like, you have... Just, like, a similar level of incompetence, but now you can kind of see it being like, yeah, of course this rich schmuck's incompetent. <laughs> They've never had to really work. Yeah, and of course they're dazzled by the exoticism of, like, oh, you're from Japan? Yeah. No way, tell me more. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And it's because it's like, for uh, the Haru character, it's like, oh my god, someone to believe in me. I've only ever had one person do it before, and that person's a honeypot. And for the Joey character, it's like, Oh my god, someone to hang out with who genuinely doesn't care about my money. I like that. You know what it makes me think of is uh, Big Hero 6. Do you remember, did you ever watch that movie? Uh, yeah. He, where the, uh, but you don't know he's rich until he takes them to his home, but he's like the totally, like, oh, yeah. back, almost like the, stoner type the, character. He's the shaggy character. Shaggy, yes. He's yes. basically shaggy. It kind of makes me think of him. dad turns out to be uh, Stan like, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if we want to go multi-billionaire route or just like a typical old multi-millionaire, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, so, we, so that's where you can throw in all of the LA jokes. Because like, theoretically, it's like, oh, Beverly Hills Ninja, because I feel like that translates internationally. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you went, oh, Hidden Hills Ninja, we'd get it, but that's it. That's a good point. And you could have like, well, we used to live in Hidden Hills, but now just, just think of us as being, we're south of Ventura. 
oh, okay. <laughs> we know what that means. And just like, it's just the LA jokes for all the LA people. And everyone else, everyone else is just like, I don't know. I feel like as long as Joey isn't a caricature, I think we'll be okay. Yes, I definitely agree with that. What kind of technology do you want Martin Tanley to be trying to sell to, to get people to buy into? If Martin Tanley is going to be our Silicon Valley bro. I was thinking crypto. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like, it, honestly, that is a good reference to the original of, like, Martin Tanley is here with a brand new currency you've never even heard of. Yeah. And that's because you're not cool enough to hear about it. And it's, like, literally selling. That's great. Like, literally, he's selling his brand new cri- Okay, I'm going to tell a story. Okay. <laughs> So, I, uh, day job stuff is, like, I would go do computer assisting for a lot of different people. And I've had multiple clients, because I work in finance, be like, so, like, what do you know about crypto? I'm like, it's a scam. And they're like, oh, no, but really? I'm like, it's a scam. And I got hired one time to go help this guy get better with computers. And I swear to God, what he wanted me to do was his son had told him about this brand new crypto. And this is a guy who, like, had a bunch of guitars on his wall. Like, he clearly used to make make like, make like a lot of money from songs. Like, like I even he mentioned, like, oh, yeah, I made money from this song, this song. So, like, he had money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he like, trying to get to invest in, like, the son, the crypto that his son was into or something. And I don't remember what it was called. But basically, the number of hoops we had to jump through to give money to this organization was we had to register with this bank that no American banks recognized had to figure out a way to wire money to Germany. Oh my God. And it was all these different things. And I was like, I am t- like, and I would the whole time being like, it's a scam. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to do this thing. It's a scam. Yeah. But we're gonna, and we would go to the next step. Yeah. But it's like, literally it wasn't until we got to the point where we had to blindly send money to this address with no receipt oh my God. that he was just like, I think this is a scam. And I'm oh like, yeah. <laughs> And, ba- and like all the th- crypto works by like we're, they're mining for bits and all this different thing and like this yeah. one mines for bits in the adult film industry oh and like the, literally the logo for this crypto was like red something and it was like one of the like it was like red bubble it's, it's not red bubble but it was like the, if the two B's in bubble were like boobs <laughs> and it was just like it was just crypto mining for bits in, a, in adult films and it was like okay you want us to send our money where? It was very strange. Also, I feel like mining for bits. There's a there's a pun there. I would say there, I would say there is a bit there. There's a bit. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So like honestly, coming in to sell a brand new currency, like yeah, crypto's the way of the past. Yeah. This is Futuro or whatever it is. It's like selling a new currency to rich idiots like Joey. Chef's kiss. Perfect. I, I feel like also thematically, like that kind of goes with what Haru is experiencing, right? Because I mean. It has whatever value people place on it. Yeah. Right? If people agree that it's going to be worth something, it'll be worth something. Yeah. And this is a person who's trying to convince people that it is worth something. So, I and then here we have Haru, who's just like, I've been convinced that I'm not worth anything. So, I think that would be an interesting, like, and then we get, And then we get to have the Al page come in and be like, <laughs> okay, great. I want to get this away from my evil boyfriend who's using it for no good. And I'm... I'll get it back to prevent him from being able to use these bank account numbers for evil. Mm-hmm. And then Al Page is just going to rob them. But but it'll like everyone will think it would be Martin Tanley who robbed them. But no, Al Page will be like, no, oh yeah, it was definitely that guy. Bag of money, dollar sign, runs away. What do you think if it was not necessarily a partner, but like this guy, Martin, is the like CEO and Al Page is like the CFO 
who would take over should anything happen or should the that CEO works for me be too. caught. Yeah. Okay. That, that's fine. I'm good okay. with that. <laughs> and I'm okay with them having a supposed uh, potential like romantic relationship that mm-hmm. Haru is jealous of. And then you find out that Al Page was using both of them. And I'm not just saying that because I saw A Fish Called Wanda for the first time last night. It's such a good movie, isn't it? Like, I love it. And honest, and this is no disrespect at all. I just didn't know. My introduction to Jamie Lee Curtis was Freaky Friday. Sure. I didn't realize she was supposed to be like a hottie until my roommates told me as we were watching like A Fish Called Wanda. And then they were like, didn't you see, what was the movie, True Lies? And I was like, yeah, but I thought it was supposed to be a joke. Or Trading Places? To... Yeah, but again, I didn't realize she was supposed to be... I mean, because in my head she's Freaky Friday Jamie Lee Curtis, you know. That's true, so but I was like, like in oh, Trading I... Places, she plays a sex worker, and you basically just get to see her in a thong. I, I didn't realize I was supposed to find that attractive. I'm not saying she wasn't attractive, fair, but I was fair. just like the marketing in my head. Look, was... we've learned in this podcast <laughs> that what you're drawn to is long, luxurious hair, and that's not <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis's vibe. That is fair, but no, I'm saying she is quite attractive. Like I, I you know, I recognize. You, you get now. it now. Yeah, I get it now. You had, um, society had to convince you that this particular thing was attractive. Like boobs. Like yes, boobs. Yes, because truly elbows are the attractive part of the, of the And body. that is what God intended. Amen. He, that's why elbows are allowed to be exposed in every culture almost. Uh, sort of. in, so, in, yeah. in nearly all cultures. Yeah. So many of them. Elbows. Definitely over 50%. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so in terms of like plot, is there anything else we're missing? Because like I think a lot of the stuff that we can keep is like, Gobe secretly, like, helping out and, like, being in disguise throughout that. Like, it's great, top-notch, no notes. Yes. Completely want to keep that in there. Uh, I think, though, that Gobe should be... Like, the sensei still sends Gobe after Absolutely. I don't... I think Gobe is not necessarily an antagonist, but is part of why Haru doesn't believe in himself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because it's, like, one, the comparison... But two, Gobe kind of goes in on Haru not belonging there or like not being, not, not necessarily all the time, but kind of like a sibling thing, you know? Because I think that was something we didn't really see. Yeah, in... I could see more sibling rivalries a little bit because like certainly Gobe was frustrated with Haru. Yeah. But like you could also clearly see that they cared about each other, which, which I liked. Yeah. I can see more sibling like ribbing and rivalry, but I don't want it to be like mean. I think it would be. It wouldn't be coming from a place of like Gobe wanting to be mean. It would be more like every time Haru messes up, it's Gobe's job to clean it up, or it's it, there's so much extra burden placed on Gobe because Haru's incompetent, and that puts a level of tension. But Gobe still has Haru's back, like no matter what. Like that's so you know, my like, suggestion. Gobe would protect Haru, but. My suggestion for that would be, uh, no, you know. towards the end of Act 2, mm-hmm. like, Gobei's been getting more and more and more frustrated with Haru all mm-hmm. of this time, and then finally, towards the end of Act 2, Gobei explodes and is like, I've been cleaning up your mess this entire time, you've been making all these different mistakes, and now all of a sudden, all obviously we have this great chance to, like, help out this person, and you're, and now all of a sudden you're not gonna finish the job? Just go get the thing, do, like, and Gobei's the one who, like, like, uh, Haru failed to get like the list of people or whatever mm-hmm. from Martin Tanley or from the, the Martin Tanley's like assistant guy mm-hmm. and Gobe like loses like I can't believe you failed at this one simple thing it was right in front of you now I'm gonna go, to, go do it and then Gobe goes gets the thing goes and gives it to Al 
and so, and then like walks past Haru on the way. It's like great, it's done now. We can go home. Mm-hmm. And now Haru is like all like devastated. Like I can't believe like not even Gobe my my sibling doesn't even believe me in, in me anymore. All these other things. And then finally, beginning of Act Three, it's like oh my god. I was also betrayed by Al Page. Mm-hmm. And then Haru has to convince Gobe to go with her to go stop Al Page. And Gobe's like, no, no, I'm going home. It's done. It's over. We did the thing. Mm-hmm. And then Haru's like abandoned by like the one family. And then Gobe finally like getting on the airplane is like, no, I have to go take care of my sibling. Mm-hmm. And goes back. Do we keep the spiritual plane? No. <laughs> No. Yeah, it kind of came out of those. Yeah. No, we have cell phones now. (laughs) You can just call them. That's true. That's so true. Unless you want the spiritual plane. No, I no. It was just some really campy thing that it was. It it definitely didn't make any sense. Yeah, it had no place in this movie. Yeah, it was some some weird mysticism bullshit. (laughs) That's true. So they could throw. So you could just sh- throw them through windows. Yeah. No. <laughs> just, just, just fucking call. It's okay. fine. That's funny. What if they had like a ninja app? Great. <laughs> you really hated the ancestral plane or spiritual plane. It's so dumb. You say. Like, well, just like, uh... <laughs> if you're going to have a ninja app, you have to have a ninja app. And it's just called N... Uh, big N, little N, little J, little A. Just ninja. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, and it's like, and you have all the different things to like communicate and talk to them. And then in the middle of it, you accidentally activate Fruit Ninja in the middle of the ninja app. That'd and so true. now it's like, oh, no, I'm having, like, are you playing Fruit Ninja while you're talking to me? No. <laughs> oh, Dragon Fruit. Nice. <laughs> What'd you say, Sensei? <laughs> my my backup we're not backup my my initial thought was uh just calling it n app and then nap that's <laughs> very it's not as well thought out as yours but it's just i, I thought it's stupid i mean look oh, if we're gonna be dealing like with silicon jokes. valley there's nothing wrong with ninja ninja that's true no 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 i think yours is more well thought out than mine it's not that just, well thought out I just, well you already have like jokes with it i was just thinking it'd be funny if it was called nap that was there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that the only oh man, what was the movie? There was some movie. Oh, it's Futurama, where uh, they were doing something with the rights to people's like likenesses, and they were doing a a spoof of Napster. Oh, okay. And then ended up being Kid Napster. Oh. And I don't remember what the rest of the joke was like. They were literally just kidnapping people and just like selling their likenesses and like making copies of. Them. Oh, it's I think it's the episode with um, Lucy Liu. Oh, cool. I, I've never actually watched Futurama. I recommend it. A lot of people do. I need to... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. Uh, so we have Nap. Is, is there anything else you can think of in terms of plot? Because we kind of have this... Of we've, we've danced around. We've, yeah. We've done kickflips and uh, tuck and rolls all around it. We've thrown stars and uh, swords all around the plot. Like, if you take all the things, we kind of have, like, our the what the movie will be. Yeah. Pratt Falls, people hurting themselves, yeah. all that stuff. Making fun of Beverly Hills absolutely as much as possible. And making fun of, like, stupid rich people bullshit as much as possible. Okay. Um, In terms of plot, I mean, do we want to, like, finish this movie? Like, you, what happens to... Tell me. Group? Okay, so I was thinking, like, 
the double cross happens, right? Because they find something that like sets the the CEO up for failure, and it's revealed, like you said, that like you know Al Page was behind it the whole time. And in in my head, I'm thinking it's because they wanted the position, they wanted the job, uh, and to make the billions or whatever that was going to be made. And something happens where Gobe is caught, and it's up to Haru to save Gobe from Al Page, as well as to undo what's been done and bring Al Page down. Craziness ensues, you know. Maybe, uh, maybe Joey is part of like how it, that person is brought down and brought to justice. I think Haru, after like coming out victorious out of all this. Gobe learns that they were wrong for, for being, talking to being mean, being mean to their to, sibling. Yes, and uh, I think Haru ends up staying in this new place. Maybe not this new place, but like finding where they belong and where their gifts are. Well, you set up for the sequel, yes. Florida Ninja. Oh my god! <laughs> but, <laughs> of uh, uh, Haru going on a journey to find the people who left him behind after the cruise. Of like. Which I think would be in Silicon Valley because I was thinking the Great. casting, the the casting. You'll explain. You'll understand why maybe after we talk about that. But um, yeah, could be the Bay Area or it could be uh, could be Florida. Maybe they go to Disney World. I mean, that well, that's the magical well, place. Well, then. that's exactly as like we have this image of Haru climbing the mountains to find the the people who left him behind. Yeah, and the mountain he climbed to the top of is Splash Mountain. <laughs> Okay. Or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Or uh, the Matterhorn. Okay. Okay. It's like, and that's our last shot. Like, ah, I'm going to explore and find anything. And Disney police tackle him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> or, or her. her uh, or her, yes. And yeah. we also get to have this moment of Joey being like, no, yeah, no, it's great. I'm so, like, I'm so inspired. Like, I am going to be a person just like my dad. And I'm going to go out and make my millions and billions too. And in fact, I found someone who's able to help me. And we see on the phone that he's talking with Al Page. It's like, no, 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 no. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Uh, it's just fine. I just have to wait for him to get out of jail. Which will probably be in two to three months because yeah. that's how things work for the rich. That is correct. Yes. Yes. Good. Cool. <laughs> Let's talk casting. Yes! Okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry, because like in my, I've just been like, everything is, I, I messed, not messed up, but like you I led up. with casting in my head. That's and what everyone it probably should have been like more plot. But the more I was like, oh my god, this actor would be amazing, and if we do that, then we do this, and then, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's how That's how most people write. <laughs> that's how everyone writes. Like, you think of the character, and then you create the, the world that you want that person to inhabit. And if it happens to be that person, great, but if not, so be it. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I think we're settling on Haru being gender-swapped, right? Yes. Great. So, tell me about who you have for Haru. Okay, I was thinking, Kelly Marie Tran. From the new Star Wars movie. She was also the voice of uh, Raya from Raya and the Last Dragon. She was the one that received a lot of that hate from Star yeah. Wars fans. For Kelly Marie Chan is a gem and yeah. should be uh, treasured. And people yes. who say negative things about her, that is one of the biggest red flags because they're monsters. Yes, totally. <laughs> but I, I like her because I, I think uh, she's charming. She's, to me, she's just like naturally charming. Absolutely. Um, but I think she could do like shy, reserved, awkward, socially awkward, grow up very sheltered. And I'd be interested to see like what she could do with comedy, you know, to see if she has that. Now, I realize that's a risk because it's like if you've never done comedy, you don't yeah. know. So that's why I was like, my other option would be Brenda Song. 
who, who's definitely done comedy. Definitely done comedy. I think she's never been given a chance to do something. Well, For people kind of, who don't know who Brenda Song is. Oh uh, my god, Disney Channel queen. Yes. She was like on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. She played the rich one. She, uh, oh my god, London Tipton. And then of course Sweet Life on Deck. She's done so many Disney Channel movies where she was always the best friend because Disney just would not have her play a lead. And then finally she did get her play a lead in Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. Yes, but again, that was like kind of like what you said with like Asian men. It was like it had to be in a martial arts setting. Yeah. She couldn't just be like Lindsay Lohan's character and get a clue or stuck in the suburb. She also was the crazy girlfriend in Social Network. Yes. And she had a, role, a couple uh, a couple episodes in uh, New Girl as well as in Scandal. Oh, good for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I think she's grown up. I think we can see her in some grown up roles. And I know she can do comedy and I she's, know she can do I think she drama. has a voice in Amphibia. In, uh, am, am, I never saw yeah, that one. Amph- Amphibia is a, is a cartoon series. Okay. And I'm 100% positive she was a voice. Yeah, yeah. She's the lead. Oh, okay. Cool. She's the voice of the lead in, in that. She's oh, great. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think she would probably be the one I'm more certain about because I've just seen her career, like, for, like, ever. Um, And I know she could do that. So I leaned very heavily on the role, on the idea of it being an outsider, Mm -hmm. someone who's not Japanese. Mm -hmm. Oh, Brenda Song, by the way, is Korean. Yes. Uh, And I have someone later. My Gobe is Korean. Okay. No, I considered someone who was Korean, and then I went with someone who is Japanese. Never mind. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll come back. We'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, so, especially because I really, really liked the joke I came up with of like, well, of course it's an outsider. We tell it to all the tourists. And I just think that's a dumb joke. Um, and so I went with an actress who I actually first saw on a TV show called Taskmaster. Okay. And Taskmaster is this British show where they like have different comedians like competing in random tasks and everything. And uh, this actress <laughs> was very young, but also very, very funny. But I've since seen her perform and she had a role on the British version of the TV show Ghosts. Okay. And she was also on Miracle Workers. And in the American version Miracle Workers? I'm not aware it? of there being a non-American version. Oh, okay. Who was she in Amer- uh, in a Her name is uh Lolietta Fobe. Oh, yes, I know her. Yeah. She was also uh Oh gosh. No, cuz there was like cuz I saw her in Miracle Workers and then she was in something else that I was watching. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I should have just not said anything. <laughs> because I can't We think can of... look it up. Okay. Uh, she was in Shrill. She Shrill. Was... She was the best friend uh, who was lesbian, I think. Maybe. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen her in Shrill. I was watching Shrill and Miracle Workers at the same time. She was in The Spy Who Dumped Me? I don't think I realized that. Anyway, oh. she's very funny. Yes. And she also kind of like fits the uh, the non-Hollywood iteration of attractive or whatever you mm. want to call it. And I just thought that like she would be very funny. Because like yeah. we've seen her be very funny. Like she does, she plays awkward very well. That's yes. what she does in Ghost. That's what she does in Miracle Workers. She has an amazing sense of comedic timing, mm-hmm. and we know that she's funny. Yes. Uh, and I thought that she would be a good choice. I would watch that. I think that would be interesting. I was kind of leaning towards still having uh, Haru be an outsider culturally, I guess. Sure. Maybe. Because it's like not certain, even though she's Asian, it's like not certain that she's Japanese, you know? So I think she- I still intended and a, for her and to a be racist treated. audience will tell the- be able to tell the difference. <laughs> Well, hopefully people will know, but I, I think it'll. I mean, it'll it be is in... funny where it's like, oh, like you, so you're you're a ninja, you're Japanese, right? I'm Korean. <laughs> like there are definitely jokes built into that that yeah. are good, and I appreciate it. Let's not decide on this until kind of like we see where everything goes, because obviously okay. we're gonna go with your Al, uh, your Al page, because I went with uh, a lady oh, because yeah. my favorite joke in the whole movie was uh, where am I gonna find an attractive blonde lady in Beverly Hills, and then four different walk by. So okay. I cast an attractive blonde lady, okay, um, who. 
uh, I I know from Ghosts, mm-hmm. the, the American one. Um, she's also the lead in I Zombie. She's in a bunch of like Netflix Christmas movies. She was a Power Ranger, and oh. her name is Rose McIver. Okay, I think I know the American Ghosts, right? Yeah. Like, yes. Okay. The she's lead. The lead one. She's the lead in the American Ghosts. I feel like you're missing out on a Christmas prince. Is that not most what she is known for? Here's the thing about growing up Jewish. Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't really give a shit about Christmas. Okay. And I, and I never will. And I can't think of any reason why I would ever watch a Christmas movie. I mean, a Christmas prince was making the rounds, uh, not necessarily for its holidayness, but for the other stuff. Sure. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but okay. I, but you're not the first person to say, like, this movie! Yeah. And that's great. I'm happy for you. I, <laughs> I, I hope it brings you much joy. Okay. But yes. Okay. She is in A Christmas Prince. Yes. As the blonde one. Yes. The main blonde one. Yes. Apparently, and apparently there's like a whole Netflix Christmas cinematic universe kind of based around her character. Yes. That's why it's so great. Because it's so bad. But and so because of that, I thought she'd make a good Allison Page. Okay, but because, oh, okay, so we're going like uh... no, but because so that's so that was my casting. Mm-hmm. But who are we actually going with? Okay, uh, I was thinking Honeypot for Allison Page and for Al Page. Al Page, yes, sorry, Dev Patel. Oh, great! I still wanted to keep him British, and I was just like, yeah, I'd lose my mind for Dev Patel. I'd, I'd completely forget common sense. It is. I mean, and all the great pictures of him have that long, luscious the hair. Luscious so luscious I- hair. <laughs> I needed it to transfer from Robin to Dev. And I'm just like, look, it's going to be part of the outfit. It's necessary that you have the hair grown out. Great. Sorry, Dev. Dev Patel, Dev Patel is who we're going with because I, I, we're going with Al Page. Yeah, I honestly think he has that like very suave, like, Dev, like he, you, he could make you believe he's like this genuine, honest guy. And then at the same time, flip on you like a James Bond villain. You're not the first person to come onto this podcast and say that Dev Patel is attractive. <laughs> Oh, good. And you will not be the no, last. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, Dev Patel is a goddamn smoke show. Yes, he is. And it must be acknowledged. Yes. Oh, I thank you. That's all. <laughs> I just wanted to spread the word. <laughs> so who do you have for Gobe? Okay, so for Gobe, I was going to have that be switched out as well, uh, gender swapped as well. And I was thinking Gemma Chan. Okay, great. Tell I me thought, why. Why? Because I think she is very... She has something about her that comes across as a very disciplined... I think she could do that role well, where, like, she's the favorite child. She's the one that always follows the rules. She's the uh, one that's striving to be the best, you know? I think because there's that pressure of the sensei being her parent. Absolutely. It's like, I am going to live up to your name. But because of all this extra responsibility that my dumbass little sister or half-sister or whatever is, like, bringing upon me, it like, I could see her play that very well. Yeah. That... And she would be good at that. Yeah. Uh, I also gender-swapped Gobe. Okay. So I I went through three different people, and I dismissed two of them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. My first, because uh, I try to find like non-A-list people. So my, the first person I found is this actress named uh, Ko Shibasaki, who was in 47 Ronin, and she's in like Battle Royale. And mm-hmm. she's a Japanese actress who also can do like fight choreography and action, which is great. She does not speak English. And I was like, okay. Okay, uh, that I can find someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then I was like, well, what about the actress who plays Mantis in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies? That okay. is an actress named uh, Palm uh, Clementif. Mm-hmm. Clementif? I'm not trying to pronounce her last name. Uh, and she's half Russian, half Korean. Okay. And I dismissed her because she's Korean, not Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up landing on Tao, uh, Tao Okamoto, okay. who... 
I think I first saw originally in The Wolverine. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. You don't need to. Okay. Um, she's she also has a role in Westworld. She's in Batman vs Superman. She's Mercy Graves, which is Lex Luthor's assistant, mm. and she's kind of had like. So I say assistant roles and like different things because she's been in all of these different things and like has had fight choreography and like and it, it is uh, like stunt trained or whatever. And like we don't think of her as being like a big star, but like she's like a majorly famous supermodel in Japan. Okay. And we just like don't know about her here, but like she's getting to be in Hollywood movies too. And so I was like, oh, Tao Komodo. So kind of like the same sort of thing with Robin. Robin Shu, yes. Shu or Shao. Shao. Probably Shao. I'm sure you're right that it's Shao. Robin Shao. Uh, of like, uh, I mean, obviously, attract- and Gemma Chan also go- uh, gorgeous. But like, someone who, and Gemma Chan also has the, uh, the the fight choreography. Although, I believe, I don't, is Gemma Chan Japanese? No, she's not. So, I would but in I this case. I was struggling. Yeah, I was struggling to yeah. find a Japanese actress. And yeah. I was like, it's, well. It is tough. Yeah. This is a hard show to do. And like, <laughs> we're not casting directors. I know. Um, so in for that case, I would push us towards Tao Okamoto. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a really good idea. I, yeah. Um, which brings us to Sensei. It's kind of only one person to cast for this. Or did you not cast this person? I cast Robin. I wanted Robin for this because Robin oh, Shao. Oh, because I was like, oh, great, yes. Done, even though sold. he's not Japanese, I was like, he has to come back to this movie. He, I just wanted him back. Yeah, great. Like, okay, done. So wait, who are you thinking? So uh, there's kind of only one person who's also been in the Wolverine, and he was the in something called the Twilight Samurai, and he's in like Bullet Train and the Twilight movies. He's like the go-to, di- like, six-year-old Japanese actor. It's uh, Hiroyuki's uh Hiroyuki Sonata. Okay, I think I, I know who yeah. you're talking about. He's been in basically everything. Yeah. But I mean we're not acknowledging it, but like, yes, obviously Robin Shout uh has is the correct choice. I, like, I, that, that's, <laughs> it, like as soon as you said I'm like, yes, obviously, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Of course. Yeah. Sold. Okay. Good. So let me tell you about my Martin Tanley then. Okay. I went with someone so for me it was important that like my Al Page and my Martin Tanley both be white for like the reasons because mm-hmm. like no one else in my cast is. But Depp Patel's better, but for my Martin Tanley kinda needs to be a white dude. Mm. So I went with a guy who uh, has been in some of the whitest movies <laughs> Sky High, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, and Succession. And that is an actor named Nicholas Braun. Who was he in Sky High? I don't know who he is in Sky. Uh, this is a great moment for me Nicholas to look. Braun. It sounds like you also have not watched Succession. I sorry. I, no, I, I haven't either. Watched... Oh, okay, good. <laughs> like that, also me, also me. Okay, good. In Sky High, he's Zach, which I assume is the lead kid. Wait, can I can I see his picture? Because I or I could just I, I I'm always nervous about turning my laptop around totally and accidentally unplugging stuff. Nicholas Braun, because I, I think I have an idea as to who this person might be. Braun is spelled B R A U N. I was gonna say if it is who I think it is, I mean it wouldn't be through any fault of his own, but I might have uh, an issue with him. Great, please tell me. Oh, oh, this guy. Okay, no, it's not him. It's not uh, the guy who uh, plays uh, uh, Mr. Darcy. Oh, not Matthew McFadden. No, 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 no. no. No, but the the one who is like because I saw an episode or two of Succession and it's the guy who's uh, kind of the nephew or something who needs a job and he's like kind of connected but like doesn't really know what he's doing and is just trying to make money. 
I thought it was a different actor. From In Succession, Scott. he plays Greg Hirsch. And yeah. again, I also haven't seen Succession, so I don't know how in the family he is. He's not in the immediate family. He's an extended, like, Got hey, it. Okay. this is your rich uncle. Go get a job from him. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And he All plays right. that very well. I'm sure he does. Yeah. So that, that's, why, that's why that kind of actor, that kind of guy is who I was thinking for Martin. Okay. Who did you have for Martin Tanley? So I was thinking, in my head, I was like, this would be Al Page's brother. And I really wanted uh, Naveen Andrews. You want, as opposed to potential uh, love interest? Yes. Because I was like, in my head, I was like, Naveen, uh, Martin and Al built this company together. And Martin is getting more of the like accolades. And he's the CEO, but Al wants to take over. And he needs help bringing him down. So, what have you that seen? Was a double cross. What have you seen Naveen Andrews in? Oh my gosh! Okay, Bride and uh, Bride and Prejudice. <laughs> okay, which is not what he's most known for. He's most known for Lost. He was most recently in the uh, Elizabeth Holmes limited series with uh, Amanda Seyfried. He was uh, he was someone named Sonny Balwani in yes. The Dropout. The Dropout. Thank you. Yeah, he was uh, the male lead. I would think you would say in that one. But yeah, Lost is mainly what he's known for. I love him in Bright and Prejudice. He's so charming and he dances and he's so sweet. It's just he's he's uh, not Mr. Darcy, but uh, Mr. Darcy's friend in Pride and Prejudice. Who uh, is Mr. Darcy? I don't know. <laughs> it, I'll. Uh... I'll look it up. Hold on. Uh, Mr. Darcy. Uh, Colin? Bride and Prejudice, which is, it sounds like the one you're talking about. It, he, he plays Balraj. Balraj. Yeah, Balraj. But he's, uh, which is a an Indian version of uh, Mr. Darcy's friend who... But he's also in Pride and Prejudice? No, he's not. I'm just, but oh, it's but based you, off of Pride and Prejudice. Got it. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's a, is this a Bollywood movie or no? No, it's not. It's it is Bollywood style, but the director is actually an Indian British uh, woman. Oh, that's fun. And she mixed a lot of like American Bollywood and uh, British folks to make this lovely little what a campy great film. Idea. Her it's name is uh... Garinder Chada. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> I love her because she also did uh, Bend It Like Beckham. Bend It Like Beckham. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's been out here. She's, she's been very good. Things. That's mm-hmm. great. Okay. Good. I mean, for all those reasons and more, we should probably go. Uh, with uh, uh, Naveen Andrews. Can you just see them, though? Like, Naveen Andrews and Dev Patel in a scene together. He had such great hair in Lost as well. <laughs> <laughs> we are learning things. I'm sorry. But I also just think they would make such wonderful... They're, like, don't you ever just see actors and you're like, oh my god, I don't know what it is, but you need to play, like, siblings, or you need to play, like, a couple, or you need to, you know? So I felt that way about, like, Raven Goodwin and Amber Riley, and I, I finally got I to play... Think... I think it muddles everything if they're siblings. I okay. don't have... There's no reason for them to be siblings. Okay. Well, because I'm just thinking in terms of, like, the venture capitalist world, it could be a conflict of interest if they're in a relationship. I thought that, like... That or I, in the startup. I, well, I was pitching yeah. that that was just a lie that that oh, he okay. told Haru. Like, okay. I don't okay. think it's actually true. Yeah. For our version, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, I told you lots of stuff. <laughs> None of it's true. Okay. Like, they're not in a relationship, they're not this, they're not that. It's just like, oh yeah, no, I told you whatever I thought you needed to hear mm, to do to, to get you to do the job for me. Got you. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I like I don't think they need to be siblings. Like, okay. I think it's perfectly reasonable to have uh, two gentlemen of Indian descent, possibly even three. <laughs> Who knows how we're going to be going in the next couple of roles. Uh, in <laughs> and a, they're both in, uh, Indian and British. Uh, with Without them needing to be related. Yes. Like, okay. they can just also be in the movie. Okay. So, <laughs> who do you have for uh, who do you, do you have for your Izumo? That 
I think is the name of the like the bad guy assistant that Martin Tanley was also talking to. It was like Martin Tanley's friend, but also the kind of his enforcer. Did you cast that role? Um, I did not, but I do know someone that I think would be good. I would probably pitch Ronnie Chang. Ronnie Chang, he was in Crazy Rich Asians. He's uh, on the The Daily Show regularly. Uh, oh, I yeah. know who that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, He's very funny. Yeah. That is fair. I would not see him no. as an enforcer. I think he would be Because like, there's, there's a whole thing where, like, the enforcer shows up at the end. Too. Like, he's the muscle. Wait, which one are you talking about? I'm... Martin Tanley, the bad guy's mm-hmm. number two. Like, the guy who, like, goes and beats people up for him and kills people for him. Oh, okay. Okay, well, in my in my version, I guess... Okay, I just want to make sure. I was thinking of him as, like, a, a badass, like, martial artist type guy. Yeah, and I don't think that's Ronnie Chang. No, I think so, because it's like, you wouldn't expect it because you expect him to be the funny idiot. Yeah, but then you're, you're, you're taking a guy who's, like, expect, like, just an Asian guy and expecting him to know <laughs> I guess any that's form fair. of martial hope, arts, oh my God, and that's that not fair. Stare? No, that's, that's, no, that's right. And that's not his vibe at all. He's that's a comedian. Right. No, I know. The guy I cast is is a martial artist. <laughs> okay. He is Asian. He was in uh, he was in Mortal Kombat. He's in Shadow and Bone. He's in something called Fistful of Vengeance, which just sounds like a great name. It's the actor Louis Tan. I mean, we're obviously going to go with yours. <laughs> yes. In this case, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, the only other character I have, like, cast... Is Joey? Oh, oh, actually two. Joey and then Will Sasso's character. Oh, I did not cast Will Sasso's character. Okay. So let's talk about Joey, and then you'll just tell me who we have for Will Sasso. <laughs> okay. Which is not his name in the movie. That's not his name in the movie. He plays the obnoxious car salesman that was uh, working with Martin Tanley's character. He plays and... the he plays the person that can oh, do the same salesman. impression as Chris Farley. Yes. Yes. And so they both do the same impression, yes. and they both play kind of the same character. And it's very weird, and there's absolutely no reason why Chris Farley should know any of the references he makes while playing that character. <laughs> And I don't even know if we need that character, but we're going to cast him anyway. But I, let's talk about Joey first. Okay, okay. For Joey, the only person that I could think of was Kiki Palmer. That's fair. Yeah. I thought she would do a wonderful job of playing like that like student who's trying to kind of work their way up, which is originally what I had in my mind. If we're going with that route, though, I still think she can do it because like maybe we kind of flip on the audience, like where it's like you meet Kiki Palmer thinking she's not like you know well off or whatever and then she's just like oh yeah i mean welcome to my humble abode and it's like this mega mansion or whatever <laughs> yeah so maybe but i would need to think about that more because i don't we'll that's see. fair yeah uh the person that i have for this role is someone who you kind of see as he has played the incompetent sidekick before but in a way oh. that i find very charming and very amusing mm. i've referenced the show other space on this podcast before because no one's ever seen it and only i've seen it and ha 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 good for me yeah but this is an actor who's been in other space He's also in Miracle Workers. Uh, this is an actor named Karen Sony. Yes! I loved him in Miracle Workers. Yeah. He was so good. He's Yeah, he would definitely do well so, in like, that. Be, he's a good, goofy sidekick. Yes. Like, he's kind of a perfect goofy sidekick. Yeah. And so I think making him the new Chris Rock would be very funny. Okay. <laughs> I'm for it. Great. I think he's charming. I like him. So I don't have anyone for the Will Sasso character. Please tell me who we're going with and why. So... <laughs> Honestly, I just thought that the Will Sasso character was probably the most recognizable, like, not recognizable, but, like, he made so much out of his small role. I think that even though, like, plot-wise, like, we'd have to mess around with it, so it wouldn't be someone that, like, our person, Haru, would, like, replicate. You can make him be the programmer. Like, instead of the person who runs the printing press, he can be, like, the person who programs the, the fake crypto or whatever. Yeah. 
I wanted to cast this as like an homage to uh, Chris Farley. I was thinking either David Spade, Adam Sandler, or Chris Rock. You know? I kind of thought cool. that would be... Well, we definitely can't do Chris Rock because he's because obviously the first the... one. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't... Although, we're doing Robin Show. We are, but... But it's a different, yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't want David Spade or Adam Sandler anywhere near my movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I know David Spade is apparently like kind of a not yeah, a nice person. Kind of a but... trash person. Adam Sandler's fine. Yeah. I got nothing against Adam Sandler per- personally. I just don't care for him. Oh, okay. Um, I, I think they're... Especially if we're going to be casting something. I hate A-list cameos. Okay. Because that's a role that's like, you could have given some unknown person a time to shine and be like, oh my god, did you see blank person in this like little role? Mm-hmm. They should get to do more things. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh hey, Adam Sandler was in this movie. I mean, it's more so, the reason why I thought of them is because they were just such a tight-knit group. Yeah. You know? And sure. it's just like, when you see them, and like, knowing this is supposed to be a remake of Beverly Hills Ninja, it's like, I kind of wanted something that would pay tribute to Chris I Farley. I think that's fair, you know? and I think that's but, reasonable, yeah. and I have nothing against that. Yeah. But I don't like them. Okay. <laughs> okay. David Spade especially. Okay. And I also don't care for Adam Sandler for other reasons. Okay. Um, and I don't think Rob Schneider would be great. Rob so. Schneider is Pro- is so problematic. Really? Yeah, no, he's so right wing. Okay. Like he like there's a whole Maggie Mae Fish video talking about like here's the things Rob Schneider has said out loud with his mouth. Oh no. He's bad. Okay. And then kind of along that line, David Spade <laughs> is like kind of just a problematic womanizing asshole. Okay. And then Adam Sandler is also Republican. But is like the kind of like low key Hollywood Republican of like being like he's Republican but he doesn't out loud say it at all. Okay. Uh, and there's nothing inherently wrong with being Republican, except for all the things that are wrong with being Republican. Okay. <laughs> uh, did not know that. Yeah. So, so okay. Um, Will Sasso should go to some comedic person who's on their way up. Okay. Tell you what. Here's my pitch for Will Sasso. It's going to be the male version of Haru that we didn't, that I didn't have, because we won't, we're going to do okay. a female version. Okay. Uh, and that is an actor named Zach Cherry. What's he done? Uh, in The Legend of Shang-Chi, he's the one with the phone going like, you guys aren't going to believe this thing I'm seeing on the bus. Okay. I vaguely remember, I, I definitely remember the scene. I don't remember the guy who said it, but yeah. that's okay. I, like I said, he's a, yeah. he, he's a comedian who's on his way up. He yeah. also had a role in Severance, which I didn't watch. Okay. And he's one of the new, like, two comedic, not judges, but hosts yeah. of the American Baking Show. Okay. And I think he's an amazing host for that. It's him and Ellie Kemper. Okay. And just the two bouncing off each other seems very funny, and mm. I feel like that would work. Okay. Um, so, but what do you, because, I mean, I would think it would be nice to pay tribute to Chris Farley in some way. I don't disagree. Yeah. But I feel like, but I feel like casting people who are problematic is not no, the no, way no. to do that. Got you. So what, what are you, I want to ask you, like, what are your, I know it's your show, but I want to ask you a question. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I mean, I feel like you, you pay homage to, to Chris Farley by having the people in the temple mm. reference the great ninjas of the oh. past. And you reference the people who were oh, truly like wonderful and did amazing work as ninjas. And you have one person, another person, Chris mm-hmm. Farley and some other, and some I other like person. Yeah. And I feel like that's how you pay tribute to by saying, hey, here is this person who was a great ninja. He did all this amazing things. Mm-hmm. And that's how you pay tribute to him. No, I like that idea. I think that'd be a really good idea. Especially if it's like, if, if all the ninjas, like their faces are covered, right? Except for their eyes. And then you just have the one in the white outfit. That's and it's very like, funny. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but that's also very funny. That's a good joke. 
I yes, that is also good. <laughs> I like that too. Good. Or it's like you him in his his pimp co- outfit. That yeah. would be funny. This was like a really tough movie to do. Yeah, I didn't realize it was gonna be. I was just like, oh my god, it's such a With fun movie. With the nature of the comedicness, because yeah. I feel like. I feel like a lot of the characters need to be a little bit more serious around Haru. Mm-hmm. I would push us towards uh, Lolly Adafope for Haru over Kelly Marie Tran. Or, uh, I'm sorry, over Brenda Song, if that's okay. Okay. Well, because I was just thinking, I guess in my head, I was thinking that with Chris Farley, everybody else around him almost was the straight man because he was such a big character. Yeah. Versus I was like, well, I don't know if we're going to go that route. What if everybody around... Not everybody, but, like, a good amount of characters. But I, I guess you're right. I think it would probably be easier to keep Haru as, like, the funny one. Yeah. And, like, have of more everyone we've cast. That's true. There are no, like, real funny, funny people. <laughs> there are no funny, funny yeah, people. So I feel true. like we have to go with... We have to go with him. Like, and not the Brenda Song isn't funny, but yeah. it's not that kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I would push us towards Lolly, if that's oh, okay. No, yeah. I'm for it. Uh, so that brings us to uh, our writer and our director. I cast two separate. Do you have two separate, or do you have a hyphen it? Two separate. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about writer. Writer. I wanted to go Other with... than us, obviously. Yeah. We, we would write it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, Adele Lim was someone that oh, I thought Oh, I don't of. know who that is. She worked on Crazy Rich Asians, and uh, there was another one. She did Ryan the Last Dragon. Yes. Yes. And I also, I just, I follow her on Twitter. I think she's such an interesting person. Um, her story's interesting. And also, I think she has a very strong presence. I don't know if you remember the story about how she co-wrote Crazy Rich Asians with uh, another male writer, uh, and he was offered ten times more what she was offered. I think he was given or something. And he graciously was like, you know, I'll share my thing. But she rightfully was like, no, like, this is devaluing of me and my contribution, and we're doing the same job, but they felt it was, like, okay to do that. So she actually left, like, the sequel because, yeah, I do they remember wanted... that. Yeah. Which so is she... crazy because, like, she created it. Well, she uh, adapted, well, she adapted it. it. Yeah, adapted. she adapted. Yeah, yeah. Insane. Yeah. Hollywood's great, everybody. <laughs> so great. Oh, God, um, that's yeah. we're probably gonna go with her. Uh, <laughs> my my writer is uh, a guy named Tom Gormican, who wrote The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, he worked on the show Ghosted, and he's currently working on the new Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, and I thought that was just kind of like a funny tie-in. Uh-huh. Like, he definitely does comedy and that kind of comedy very well, clearly. Okay. Because Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is great, but Adele Lim is the correct choice. Okay. <laughs> and so then let me tell you about my director. Okay. I wanted someone who could do, uh, like, action. Like, modern action, fun action, and uh, could do it in a way that is funny. And so kind of, like... Kind of the go-to for that is like, oh, well, who's the guy who Ray, who was the director for Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and also directed Walk Hard, and like a My Spy remake, and I mean, for God's sake, he's Lawrence Kasdan's son, and that's mm. Jake Kasdan. Oh, wow, okay. He also did Ghostbusters Afterlife, right? I think so. Yeah. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, I want because I want someone who can direct action. Yeah. And like, obviously you're going to get a fight choreographer and like stunt people and stuff, and I, I don't know anything about that or how to look that up. Mm-hmm. But... In terms of directing it, like, he did good action in these other things. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the new Jumanji. The original one was, like, a movie that I wore out, you know, on the VCR. 
So it was just like, it took me a very long... I'm finally getting to a place where I can finally, I think, watch this movie. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I did not see it, so I can't... It is good. It. Yeah, I think yeah. it must be, because... Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh... Well, okay. who did you have for director? For director, this is someone who, I w- in my head, I was thinking needs to be really good at comedy and, like, needs to be able to find the comedy in every scene as well as, like, to be able to s- tell a story about a lot of heart, right? And so for me... I was like, Bruce Almighty, Patch Adams, Liar Liar, Nutty Professor, which I think people overlook how much of uh, like depth there is to that movie. So I went with uh, Tom Shadiak. Shadiak? Shadiak. I think it's Shadiak. He has just done so many like classics, in my opinion, because I, like, for me, I just early 2000s and like the late 90s, especially because Nutty Professor is like a movie that I watched so many times, as well as Bruce Almighty and Liar Liar. Like, it just, he's... He's so good with uh, with comedy, in my opinion. Great. I'm more than happy to go with this guy. I yeah. have never heard of him. Really? But he's clearly done amazing work, and I got nothing against it. That's <laughs> great. Like, okay. look, I love going with people I've never heard of. Really? And, like, everyone's heard of Jake Kasdan. It's fine. <laughs> Jake Kasdan doesn't need this. Let's get to Tom uh, <laughs> well, I think, I think I feel like, I don't know if he's just taking a break or something, but, yeah, he hasn't really been doing... Tom Shadyak has, like... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine projects currently in development. Okay, that yeah, that w- that didn't surprise me because he's just... it's and that's less than Jake Kasdan. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't necessarily recognize a lot of the different things that he's done. Yeah, but yeah, he did Bruce Almighty. He did Evan Almighty. Mm-hmm. Liar, liar is a good movie. It's fantastic, and and it's like it's so beautiful the story that it tells. You know, like Oof. that's the thing. What? Oh, Chuck and Larry. That and he also directed and wrote uh-huh. Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which uh, at the time was okay. Was okay. Now it's like super. It is not anymore, and was not then. But they didn't know that. Yeah. But it's not okay. I like. I mean, I don't know what his stance is now. I guess I haven't really looked into him in terms of like a social presence. I first actually was introduced to him on Oprah. <laughs> he, he, uh, she has no history of uh, supporting anyone problematic. No, I mean, I can't say, but I just remember he was there promoting his documentary called I Am. I think after uh, sometime in the 2000s, he was diagnosed with cancer. And he kind of just started to think about like life and like humanity and um, just like a whole bunch of like bigger questions about the world. And it... Tom Shadiak did something. He gave away most of his fortune. He sold his mansion and moved to a fancy mobile home park, and he opened a homeless shelter. Apparently, he's a good dude. <laughs> so I feel like that's a good reason to go with him. Okay. That, that's what I'm saying. I feel like if he was the type of person that would have written uh, Ace Ventura, I think he probably had a big epiphany later in life. Here's hoping, but we we will have a conversation with him, and he's our first choice for now. Okay. <laughs> uh, barring us learning something else. Yes. But for the moment, that is Beverly Hills Ninja. Beverly Hills Let Ninja? me take you through who we've got. Okay. Our Haru is going to be played by Lolly Adifope. Al Page is going to be Dev Patel. Gobe will be Tao Okamoto. Sensei will be Robin Shao. Mm. Martin Tanley will be Naveen Andrews. Azumo, kind of the bad guy assistant, is Louis Tan. Joey will be Karen Sony. The Will Sasso character, who probably has a name, <laughs> will be played by Zach Cherry. All of this will be written by Adele Lim and directed by Tom Shadiak. That is Beverly Hills Ninja. You gonna go watch this movie? Uh, for the hair alone. For the no, hair I'm just kidding, I'm just alone. kidding. I, I, yes, I absolutely would. I think Good. it'll be fun. I think it'll be uh, interesting. I, I think the premise was a great one. It just 
had a lot of um not a lot of well executed stuff yeah and that's fair <laughs> it's it's definitely like emblematic of the time and you can, like if you go in with that like i like there were definitely some real cringe moments but like yeah. i was watching this with a friend of mine and we both like found things to laugh at and enjoy yes and like that's what a movie's for. Yes. You acknowledge the period it came from and then find moments to laugh and enjoy. That's movies. Exactly. But we've reached the end of the podcast, so thank you very much for being my guest. And now, please, if you are so inclined, tell people about how they can follow you on social medias if you care about such things or what you'd like them to do. What What would you like an audience to do right now? Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This of was course. so much fun. I would just say please go watch Average Joe. I think by the time this episode comes out, it'll be on the air because it's premiering June 26th. It definitely will. Yes. Yes, it'll be. Okay, good. So yeah, if you uh, feel so inclined to watch just like a, a fun, well, it's kind of a dark show, but it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a, I think people will really enjoy it. It's uh, got a lot of adventure to it and it's going to be starring Dion Cole. So if you like him and like his kind of weird comedy, he definitely brings that to the show. So BET and BET Plus, people. Average Joe. Great. Yeah. <laughs> this episode will come out July 11th, by the way. Okay, awesome. Perfect. So yes. De- uh, is it going to be... is Because it's BET, so is it going to be like one episode at a time, or is it all going to be dropped at once? Uh, I believe... I assume if it's on BET, it's going to be... It's going to be on BET Plus. The ah, first okay. episode is going to premiere on BET, uh, and then I think the rest will be on BET Plus. I think they're trying to do a weekly drop, so... Okay, then that makes yeah, sense. by then maybe episode... So, catch up on Average Joe. Yeah! Good. <laughs> if anyone wants to follow me, if Twitter still exists by the time this episode comes out, I guess you can find me there. I don't really post on Twitter anymore, but at Sam Gash, S-A-M-G-A-S-C-H, or follow the podcast at Ideal Remake on Instagram. But one of the better ways to find us and let us both know how you feel about <laughs> about what we've done is to join the Dueling Genre Discord, which has a link in the show notes of this episode. And go on and let me know... How many copies of Beverly Hills Ninja were in your local blockbuster when you were growing up? <laughs> how many times do you think is too many to play... Oh, for our movie. How many times are we going to do play the song Kung Fu Fighting? Oh. At least once. I think only once. I, only once, and I feel like probably over one of the credits. Okay. I think that'd be fair. But then, do you think that's too similar to Kung Fu Panda? Because they did like that upgraded version of Kung Fu... Uh, did they? Kung Fu, yeah, over the credits. That's when they played Kung Fu Fighting. What, opening credits or closing credits? Closing credits. Okay, we'll do it sure. in the opening credits, and then it'll end with, like, Sensei turning off the radio being like, I hate that song. Yes! Okay. I love how quickly you got that. That was fantastic. <laughs> Join the Dueling Genre podcast and uh, let me know if you agree. <laughs> um, so I will end this episode of the podcast the same way I end every episode of my podcast. Samane. Yes. What is your favorite quote from the movie Beverly Hills Ninja? Holy shit-o! <laughs> Great. <laughs>